a really quick and exciting announcement to make. The Menopause and Cancer podcast is now also on YouTube, and I'm so excited that more people now get to watch our conversations. So the link to the YouTube channel is in our show notes. Please go and subscribe to the channel so that more people who need to hear our conversations are able to find them. Thank you. Hi, I'm Danny Bennington and welcome to my podcast. This podcast is for anyone who's been affected by cancer and menopause. I'll be speaking to special guests and menopause experts to help us find solutions to our symptoms and of course address the greater picture. We're going to talk about everything from mental health to physical health, sexual health to bone health and everything in between. Nothing is off limits. Welcome. Welcome everyone to our podcast. It's the second episode of 2023. I know last week I've been talking about how we all manage and navigate January and the beginning of a new year differently. And I'd like to elaborate on that a little bit in today's podcast with my amazing guest, Sophie True. For many of us, the beginning of a new year brings with it lots of different feelings, especially once we've had a cancer diagnosis, this diagnosis might be a while ago, years ago, in some cases, you might be going through active treatment. You might be really deeply stuck in navigating your menopause and debilitating symptoms. And this might feel like there is no end and it's ongoing. And so sometimes sitting here at the beginning of the new year, you might feel, oh my gosh, how am I going to manage? It seems a lot. But it's great to start to break it down. And for today, I want you to just try and stick with our conversation and and just try and allow the sort of possibilities to enter your brain, your conscious thinking, your thoughts. Because I feel if we start the beginning of the year with the knowledge and stories of there being loads of different options and there also being loads of different ways of doing things. To me, that always feels the most refreshing because then I know I have a place somewhere on this path along these journeys and that I can carve that out for myself. Every one of us heals so differently and what does that even mean? I felt my true healing and recovery from my cancer was really only started a while after my active treatment finished. That's when my mental health was at an all-time low and I started to tap into other things apart from conventional medicine because that was done. I'd done my active treatment that I then went and looked for other things and they can be lots of different ones and For all of us, different things will resonate. You know, we have people emailing me who said, I've never dyed my hair. I never wear nail varnish, never put lipstick on. I just want to do this whole thing naturally. And then other people going, I just want all the drugs in the world. Give me anything you have. The same goes for childbirth, right? We navigate big situations so differently. We have different ideas. And with that come a lot of layers of complexity, of uh, difficulty, But knowing that there are things out there that we don't even know they existed and that we haven't tried, 
that gives me hope because that means if we can get ourselves to a place where we can be open and receptive to new things, to new ideas, then there is a possibility that they can really do us good from a physical level, but also from an emotional level. And that could just be trying out a new Zumba class and you always thinking, oh my gosh, Zumba is absolutely not for me. But maybe it is now because we've changed, we've morphed, it's a new year, you're a new person sometimes. And sometimes maybe we didn't allow ourselves to turn up to Zumba two years ago because everyone thought it was a bit naff. But trying new things out and opening our mindset has always proven for me personally anyway, to give me back something that has in the long run then enriched my life. Whether that is based in science or not, whether millions of people believe in the same benefit or I've just heard it from a few. To me, that never really mattered because what mattered is me feeling what it does to me and that was always good enough. And I want to ask Sophie, our guest, today, how she navigated a lot of these healing modalities, what we can take away for the new year. Sophie's got an incredible story to tell. And actually, a few years ago, when Sophie and I met for the first time, she organized a fantastic holistic well-being festival, mainly for cancer folk. And she had oncologists and surgeons speak at it and loads of people from the holistic and wellness industry. And in the interview today with her, I'm going to ask her all about how that happened, how she healed, if she's still healing. And also the majority of the talk is about breathwork because that is what Sophie feels so passionate about now. And after this whole long introduction from me, maybe it is breathwork that you think would be a wonderful thing for you to try and explore because whatever, and regardless of what we see on the telly, You might have seen people breathe Wim Hof style. You might have seen people do all sorts of things with their breath. It doesn't need to be outrageous. And we don't always need to have a big release, a big moment. It doesn't need to be a big thing. We can incorporate so many practices in a gentle, almost silent and quiet way into our everyday lives. And that alone can be really quite impactful. And so I am now really excited to welcome Sophie in. Sophie herself says, often a health challenge can provide an opportunity for us to look at what is important in our lives. I believe in an integrated, whole person, functional approach to health, which includes finding meaning, fulfillment, contentment and joy in our lives. Our diet isn't just what we eat, but how we think, move, what we read, listen to, watch and who we spend our time with. Gosh, I really love her. Sophie also runs brilliant monthly breathwork sessions online for anyone affected by cancer. And so tune into those as well. Hi, Sophie. It's wonderful to sit opposite you today. Hi, Danny. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. Yeah, joy, um, a joy to see you. You always uh, bring such an uplift. It's great. And We just talked about the last time we met was just before the pandemic. Yeah. And a lot has happened since and a lot has happened before. And I know our viewers and listeners at home don't know you. And I won't let you introduce yourself. I'll ask you lots of questions (laughs) and that would be your introduction. (laughs) 
Okay, I was lining up the introduction there. That's perfect. <laughs> so, Sophie, today you teach breathwork. Mm, I do, yeah. To the cancer community. Yeah, to the cancer community, to those going through a health challenge and and also creatives as well. There's so many, it's like this kind of Swiss army knife that breath, the breath, the power of the breath can be used for so many things. So tell us a bit about the breath and what you do in these workshops or how it works. Let's start with that. Okay, so it's really tailored to each person if, if it's kind of a one-on-one session. If we kind of go back to um, the, the way that we breathe reflects so much about our lives. So for example, for every feeling, for every emotion, we almost have this different breathing pattern. I can see you taking a longer breath in there. <laughs> I think I was so, holding my breath in anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, we can always take a deep breath in. And so what we would do in a one-on-one session, for example, is really looking at, first of all, let's get a grounding point of how are you breathing? Are you someone who may only breathe in your upper chest? Are you someone who can breathe down into your belly? Can you get this full kind of belly, upper chest breath? Are you someone maybe who breathes with their shoulders? Do you find that you may hold your breath when you're stressed? So it's kind of paying attention to these things because people say, I breathe every day. So why do I need to pay attention to how I breathe? But the way that we breathe affects every system and function in our body. So it changes our heart rate, it changes our digestion. So that kind of gut brain breath connection, it changes our mood. Connecting with people can be changed by the way that we breathe and it can kind of change how confident we feel. So in a typical session, one-on-one, we'd look at that and then there'd be some self-massage. There's, uh, it's all about kind of connecting back into your body because the breath is really that bridge between mind and body. So it's the thing that can bring us back into this feeling, kind of sensing experience from so many of us. I definitely, before all of this, and still could very much race around in my head. And it's that way of kind of coming back home, in essence, a little bit like what we would do with yoga and all of the tools that really get us to that place. So the self-massage, gentle stretching, movement to really open up the body to take in deeper breath. And then we end with a really lovely relaxation. So often yoga nidra, or there might be a loving kindness meditation, that kind of thing. But the idea is start with a little bit of opening up. Then we go into a connect, connected breath, which can take us into a different way of thinking as well. So it can take us more into that theta brainwave. So you and I right now are in that beta brainwave, we're kind of thinking about what we're saying, receiving, how we're all connecting day to day. And it takes us more into that kind of healing state, the theta, which we go into when we meditate or find that we're a bit more mindful or just as we're drifting off to sleep, it's that kind of relaxed state. And that allows for the possibility to go more into a subconscious brainwave and to notice what's within. So I think our lives are so busy that we often don't have that time and that space to really notice or listen to our bodies. So it kind of gives that tool in a long-winded fir- way. <laughs> when was the first time in your whole sort of evolution of you that mm. you realized breath, there was something in 
your breath or how you breathe and then becoming a breath work coach was there a point or was there an evolution of workshops you went on or how was that for you yeah it's a good question it's funny isn't it I think when that that classic thing we can connect the dots when we look back and breath and the way I experienced breathing for example was actually a challenge for a good 20 years of my life or around that time so I was asthmatic from the age of about eight so often in my kind of early 20s my kind of party years when I was out and about I would actually go to bed finding that my chest was so tight I was struggling to take a breath in and this kind of just became a normalized thing of oh I'm just wheezing I'll reach out for an inhaler but never did anyone say in kind of clinics or checkups how do you breathe there was never any question about the kind of functional element of it and then so I was diagnosed with cancer when I was 23 and again, so through that time, got um, lung toxicity from one of the drugs. And so my breathing was even more uh, inhibited. And I, it was only after that time when I started to kind of do more holistic workshops or explore what else can I do to support my body and recovery, my body and my mind, and came across breathwork. But I was actually running a festival back in the day. So I kind of ran it for three or four years. And that's where we met Danny. It was um, a holistic health and well-being festival. And we had all sorts of teachers and workshops. And one of them was on breathwork. And that was where the seed was planted. But oh. it was only about a year afterwards where I properly went to a session. And, you know, when you do something and it just feels like a homecoming and it just makes sense. And you're like, okay, that's, that's for me. Because I think there's so many tools and techniques and practices out there. And it can feel quite overwhelming. And actually we all have our unique kind of special source that works for us, right? And the breath was definitely that. And just knowing the connection for cancer and the breath. So most people diagnosed with uh, cancer have low blood oxygen. So that whole kind of increasing our oxygen levels on a physical level, really powerful for cancer. That's why people talk about oxygen therapy and that kind of thing. Wow. But then there's the kind of emotional level of the way that we breathe, the deeper we breathe, we can release suppressed emotions. We can kind of go into this different way of thinking and seeing. I've even had clients who said after a session for the first time, I felt like I connected with my spirit, my essence. It's that kind of thing of, okay, yeah, coming back. Did you feel you had stuff to release still when you embarked on your breathwork journey at first? <laughs> Danny, don't we all? Do we all have stuff to release? Yeah. Of course we do. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's this thing of biography becoming our biology and that we hold all of our experiences in our tissues and ourselves. And absolutely, after going through chemotherapy, I definitely had stuff to release. And in fact, because we can also go into the state, so we hold trauma in our tissues and it kind of creates this contracted experience in our, in our bodies. And while doing some of the movements that we do in a typical breathwork session, we can actually go into a place of being able to release that trauma. And so for me, some of the realizations in my first, I had a lot of resistance to doing this, first of all, just to say, I think sometimes when something feels like work or an effort or the unknown, it's kind of a bit scary to go there. And so I was doing a breathwork training because really, as always, 
the training is often our it's it's our big work actually before we can teach it and I just remember having this realization that I hadn't felt safe in my body and that was the big kind of okay actually how do I rebuild safety that came through a breathwork session and and I could shake so for a lot of people our root chakra down hips and pelvis if you have had a life-threatening something that we would perceive as life-threatening to ourselves we can hold that um the trauma the tension particularly in our root chakra that that safety survival place and I could shake from my hips and pelvis I could read a book and continue releasing this kind of shaking a way that we would release that tension for probably for a week and it just kept wow. going and it was I just want to ask amazing thing of yeah we hold everything wow I want to ask you more about everything we know about the facts because I know our listeners at home will want to know what she talked about blood oxygen and what are the benefits <laughs> and talk us through the statistics we'll do that a bit later but let's give this whole evolution of yours a little bit of a timeline so you were 23 when you were diagnosed mm. with what what type of cancer was it so it's lymph lymphoma so type of blood cancer that's in the lymphatic system and what was your treatment then as a young person yeah, so I then went through six months of chemotherapy. It's um, ABVD chemo. Okay, and then you get through that as a 23-year-old. And how did you start to navigate the time after that? Did you feel I was going to be fine? Or were you, like so many people I speak to, riddled with the fear that your life is ever so fragile? And what if, what if? Mm. I think a combination, definitely. And the closer I was to finishing that chemo, the closer I was to finishing treatment, the more sensitive inevitably it was. So any kind of symptom or if I got a headache or I got a pain here or that kind of my mind would go to, okay, it's back here. I've got, you know, this is happening. Or if I couldn't breathe, I'd panic that something was happening with my lungs. And it was like that for about six months to a year afterwards. And then gradually, I really had to do, I have to say, I had to do, and it's ongoing, but I feel like it's only in the past couple of years that this has really kind of fallen into place. But I had to do some work around my identity and knowing that I wasn't in that place anymore. So I think sometimes our bodies can stay, again, nervous system work, we can stay in that place of fight or flight. I really had to do this kind of thing about, okay, what's my connection to cancer now? What does this mean? Where am I? It's kind of more, who am I beyond this? Does that kind of, do you know what I mean? So we always talk about not letting cancer or menopause or anything like that define us, right? And there are sentences and words we sometimes write on our sticky notes to remind ourselves on a daily basis, (laughs) but to truly feel it and to truly remove ourselves from Mm this is the person we were and and that what if is so difficult and recording this and especially everyone starting a new year and it being January how can we sort of do it in a practical way or you as a 23 year old what happened how did you manage to move away from that letting it define you Mm. I think there's almost a sense of remembering the things that you love and the things that make you you beyond that, if that makes sense. Because our life can become so revolved around illness. And then actually on the other side, it can be so revolved around kind of 
all the things that we want to do to if if we finish treatment to kind of maintain health it becomes this slight thing of I've got to eat this certain way and I've got to and and I realized that most of my day was spent trying to manage prevention or trying to keep everything and that's almost now that I've reflected on it again that was almost a trauma response of okay I need to control what I'm doing now and so I think for me personally, again, we all have different ways that we can do this. I love the idea of bringing back more rituals and having ways that we kind of can cut cords of things. So people talk about cutting energetic cords. This is more challenging when you're in ongoing treatment. But I think if you have finished and you're looking towards future prevention, for example, how can I have a ritual around this kind of maybe burning certain things writing down things, burning it in the fire and then writing down things you want to call in for this new season. And also finding a way to work with those internal voices because inevitably those fears are going to come up. And how can we maybe work with acceptance which can help to reduce the judgment because it's almost this internal narrative that creates the challenge. Oh, totally. So all of these kind of, um, yeah, characters in our minds and working with those but I think it's definitely a process as you would have found it's actually the years that go on that really help it's time really it is that time and like we say with anything the time doesn't take away from what happened but it's more we come into a different associational connection with it it's definitely that thing so how much time has gone on for you from when you were <laughs> that 23 year old young adult so affected seven, by cancer seven or eight years so yeah, a while. And in those seven or eight years, have you tapped into other healing modalities until you found the breath? Because <laughs> I remember coming to Truefields, oh, yes. this wonderful energetic festival full of cancer survivors and thrivers and people sharing different modalities of well-being. You had amazing speakers and it was just such a delight to be there and some people were wacky in sharing their beliefs <laughs> in how to heal. And we were dancing and chanting and very familiar to me from my yoga sort of life. And then you had oncologists on stages and they were talking about what they did in clinics in Germany and all over the world. And you brought the sort of the science and the spiritual together. Was that very much sort of what you did? And so you wanted to share that through True Fields? Yeah, 100%. I wanted to provide a space that showed people that there can still be more life and you can really nourish yourself and also do that alongside treatment. For me, it's almost this thing of how do I create an environment that is conducive to health? How do I kind of set that up? Because we st- we heal in a place of healing and inevitably there's so much stress around illness and maintaining that and all the fear and overwhelm that comes with it. And so it's hard to hear that we heal in a place of healing, right? And how do we create that? And so, yeah, for me, it was bringing all this stuff in alongside the treatment initially. And so it started off with just seeds being planted. When I was diagnosed, my godmother, who had breast cancer before, came down with a juicer and introduced 23-year-old me, who was living off everything that you live off when you're 23, to juicing. I was like, what is this machine? And then... I started doing some energy work just through a friend of my mum's and started learning about the benefits of herbs. And wow, there's so many, just all of these different worlds started opening up. And 
it's like doing a whole different degree, isn't it? There's so much out there. And because there's so much out there, it's also overwhelming. So it's really, at first, I was kind of the sponge of, oh, I want to try everything and everything. And mm. kind of, I remember doing kind of comedy videos and just the weird things you do to try and get well. Because I remember like, this now. <laughs> there's things like people being like, have you tried enemas? And I try and learn what an enema is. And that's a messy experience. Or someone saying you need to go and bounce on your trampoline or you need to go grounding or all of these different things that we do. So yes, in a nutshell, I have tried anything and everything apart from certain therapies where people say about urine therapy or something. <laughs> yeah, and, I have tried and you know, a lot of those things, because that always so resonated with me and your story, because I was so similar. And now yeah. when I see um, famous people, celebrities going through their journeys openly, it's very similar. It takes me back to myself 10 years ago. They do everything. They ditch the cleaning materials. They start, bring the juicer in, like you say. They start the exercise. They go out. They put their feet in the ground. It's the forest bathing. It's all of those things, all of, all of those modalities. M many have some degree of science behind them explaining us why they work uh, for some others and many others the science a bit, is a bit iffy for me that really never mattered totally. I wanted to explore and I wanted to give it my hope and I wanted to see how it felt and what felt good even if there wasn't good science if it feels good for me to take a multivitamin if big scientists say they don't really do much to you or for you Danny I'm still going to take my multivitamin Sophie <laughs> Because on that particular day, in that moment, it's a positive act. And 100%. I want people to open their doors and their windows, especially with this new year, and allow all of those healing modalities in, whether other people think they're a bit naff or crazy or whatever they are. I feel like we need to get out there and explore, right? 100%. It's a new year. We want to just be excited about doing new things rather than always holding ourselves back because that rational mind is ever so loud and you never know even if you there's something out there that may just be your next thing that really brings you joy and makes you feel energized and really in essence all we're trying to do is come to a place that we feel balanced and we feel able to navigate the wild ride that's going on with everything and for me as you said yes there's the science but there's also the spirit and there's also the emotional body and how we nurture our minds and we know the power of placebo so and the effect of nocebo so a negative thought or a negative kind of cycle that we have can also create a detrimental impact on our bodies so even if we say there's no science behind whatever it is my proof is in the, the people who are experiencing it who say they have positive benefits so it's always yeah. that kind of trial and error of actually, if it works for some people, why not? Let's, let's tap in. And if it makes you feel good, that's great for you anyway. So mm. but I think it's really going back to those basics, isn't it? All of, all of these things are trying to take us back to coming back to what makes you happy and what, what makes you feel calm and how do you kind of unwind and look after yourself? It's all of these kind of tools. Yeah. And I always felt it's interesting what you say. Coming back into a place, you heal. What did you say? You heal in a state of... We heal in a state of healing. So our yeah. body heals. And it's really difficult when we connect that to cancer though, right? Or an illness. 
our body heals in a state of relaxation, but everything that we're going through is not relaxing. No. <laughs> so it's hard. And, but now thinking back of all the people I speak to, whether they're experts um, sharing from their professional experience or thrivers, it's the other things we add that give us joy, that make us feel well, that make us feel we're on the right path. Those are the healthier states or those are the states where I put myself back and I felt a bit healthier. And I know there is, for example, no science in finding a little bit of golden sunshine every single day if it's out there for you and you know, stretching your face up towards the universe. There won't be a science telling us there is positives in this, but I know it just lights up my soul when I do that. Mm. And the children and I do it. We go for walks and we find a golden spot, the sunshine coming <laughs> through between the trees and we soak it all up. And in that moment, I am connected to something bigger than my own experience. And so I know this totally. is putting me into a place of healing. It's adding a feeling of well-being into my day. I wonder if it's similar with breath work that you put yourself into those moments, whether they're 10 minutes or 20 minute sessions into that space where you feel healed and well. And in that moment, you feel connected. Mm, 100%. I think there's also a lot to be said when you said about the sunshine and that soul connection of how do we bring more of that mental, emotional call it spirit, call it soul. For me, it's just connecting to you, like that personal, who am I, your kind of essence. There's so much to be said about bringing that also into the medical field. How do we bring the soul into treatment? Because every person is unique. And that really, what brings me meaning, again, we said about some of the ways that we can kind of support ourselves, finding and finding who you are beyond this identity or association what is it that nourishes me? What brings me meaning? What what would I love to add into my life for however long it is? It's those things, isn't it? And we know when we've been with people that nourish us, we know how good we feel. And that is such a tonic. The relationships that we have in our lives, it it's that classic. It's not just what we eat. It's what we read, what we, who we spend time with, really key. What boundaries do we have? All of those things. What is kind of energizing us? What's taking from that? And that actually is science on the sunshine on your face because of the way, and there's so much to be said about clock genes, that whole circadian rhythm. So the morning sunlight, how it can actually regulate our circadian rhythm, which is actually one of the most powerful things we can do for our health, kind of supporting our melatonin levels before bed and our serotonin in the morning and our mood. And yeah, there's, there's a lot in all of it. And what I'm really inspired by is how science, for example, Harvard invited Sadhguru to talk about the mind-body connection, how science is actually meeting all of these conversations now. So 10 years ago, talking about meditation, talking about breath work was kind of oh, a bit, let's call the word woo-woo or whatever it is, whereas now Definitely. it's very current. And I have kind of companies inviting me to do breath work or corporates asking to have it at the opening of their board meetings and things like it's very present also feel with breath work a lot of people say I can't meditate I've got too much of a busy mind and it actually gives you a focus of something that mm -hmm. you can feel and tangibly I've had people who go oh I'm really skeptical this isn't going to work within 10 minutes 
they're feeling the tingling, they're feeling the sensations, they're feeling lightheaded. And actually then you know that something is happening to you. It's quite, it's good. So if anyone is super skeptical and obviously you know the benefits of it, before we even go and explore it, what evidence do we have backing up that by engaging in a regular breathwork practice, there are benefits for our overall health? Do we have any? Mm -hmm. Yes. So there are definite benefits when it comes to increasing blood oxygen levels. Huge. That can really taking in more oxygen. So for example, when it comes to cancer, cancer cells thrive in a deoxygenated state. So this is, this is why people talk about the benefits of exercise, getting in more oxygen. So that can really be supportive. The deeper we breathe, the more we can strengthen our immune system. It's really good for our lymph, the lymphatic system, kind of pumping that by taking deep breaths. So there's the physical benefits. We think about anxiety. There's this element that when we're anxious and we're upper chest breathing or when we're stressed, Think about when you're stressed and you're kind of shallow breathing and you're kind of up here and maybe shoulder breathing. What happens is the blood vessels in your belly actually send a signal to your brain that triggers anxiety, that they're not getting enough oxygen. So it's almost like this cycle. When we're anxious, we don't breathe down into our bellies. Then this this thing that on a physiological level that then sends a signal to our brain that then triggers anxiety. So it's this kind of balance of everything. And I've never met anyone who is post a cancer diagnosis who wasn't talking to me about their anxiety and whether they're really, really heightened states of being in catastrophic situations all the time, mm-hmm. panic, fight or flight, or whether they're really low level chronic anxieties. Like I know I was managing low level chronic anxiety for years and years and years. Oh, yeah. And I couldn't quite shift it. And I don't always... I, I didn't always know it was there, but I do know it was there. It never sort of let me. So if you think it can tap into anxiety, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that point of view. hundred percent, because again, it's nervous system work, right? And in order to heal, we need to regulate our nervous system. It's the key because that the nervous system then regulates our immune system. And so if we're always in that, our lives are set up for fight or flight. <laughs> Just whether you're dealing with a chronic illness or not, we do live in this. And it feels like it speeds up more than more and more. So hopefully this year, this January, we can kind of start to peel back some of the layers and simplify a little bit, if that's possible. Because that low level anxiety and inevitably after cancer, after getting the diagnosis, we are living in that state and so the way that we breathe can really support that because it's one of the quickest ways to down regulate it's also really hard if you're in that state of anxiety for someone to say okay take a deep breath because that can also Mm. trigger the anxiety so we have to go slowly with this on going a little bit in and then coming back to safety and having that place of safety is really, really key. So finding what is it that brings me safety? What is it that makes me feel calm? And it might be even a practice of looking around the room and connecting to your senses. What's five things I can see? What's five things I can feel? What's five things I can hear? And finding ways, because when we're in that anxiety, that trauma state, we are not in our but we're not in the present moment because trauma keeps us back then and so breath work 
because it is the bridge between the mind and the body and the body is only ever present it's our minds that either live in the past or the future the breath will bring you back to now so you can address what happened back then if that makes sense so there's the physical benefits mental emotional for me it's really actually just seeing the shifts in people people will say to me I haven't slept well all month and they try a breathwork session and the next night they have a really deep sleep because we're kind of clearing and what I said about exhaling I have a few people in my life who really struggle to let go and I think after cancer after these challenges letting go is a big thing because because for some of us it's this thing about identity who am I if I'm not this if I'm not as connected to cancer again when so much has been shaken up who am I beyond this and so that letting go process if you're someone who finds that you hold your breath your exhale is all about letting go and so that release is a really good one of what am I letting go of so making your exhale longer than your inhale is a really good way to just regulate all that physiological sigh out if you kind of breathe in ah you're just sighing it out it can actually relax and soften things for you and do you think you are healed or are you still healing because you are still (laughs) tapping into healing modalities and I wonder what is it like for you so that's interesting on I'm in a very different place to who I was two years ago for example when I did this kind of thing about who am I beyond I almost kind of stepped away a bit from the cancer world because I was feeling there was still a slight emotional charge if that makes sense and now it's a very hard one to how would we even say are you healed right how, how do we quantify it what is the the measurement for me how I would measure it is do I feel that I think about the cancer that I had I don't like to say my cancer it feels like an ownership but the cancer that I experienced on a day-to-day basis on a monthly basis I don't think about it And to be able to work in this space and not think about it is very different to where I was a couple of years ago. So, yeah, in that sense, I feel like I'm healed from that experience for sure. However, life throws us so many things and so many curveballs. So it is an ongoing thing that I do use these practices just to navigate the ride the, the blessings and the burdens that we get day to day. (laughs) Yeah. The reason, the reason why I'm asking is because I know so many people start their years and they also tap into the podcast and they also live their life because I know I did that as well, wanting our old selves back. We want to Mm. heal from our experience. We want to heal, of course, from the cancer. We want to heal emotionally so that we get back to who we were before and to, 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 to reclaim my old Danny. And I had to learn through so much counseling and therapy and sessions and so much work that that was never going to happen. No. And I feel like January is a good idea to be really clear on those expectations. If anyone is starting the year thinking, I'm really hoping that this year I get back to my normal. I had my cancer treatment last year or whenever it was, and it's about time I get back to my strength and doing things like I used to do them. Then perhaps listening to you and your answer and how I was navigating things and how so many people are telling me their stories. This is ongoing and we will be on this healing path and tapping into different things for 
a long, long time and sometimes maybe forever in different ways. 100%. Finding our new version and dreaming her up and making him up and whoever we want to become. And I hope I don't ruin anyone's expectations out there who thought this is the year where I'm going to just snap back into my old self. Um, Yeah, but we have that idea, don't we, of, okay, let's just bounce back. And actually, and this is that piece. And as I said, it's been seven, eight years. And there were times where I was in just feeling so lonely. Also as a 20 year old, well, in my 20s, everyone's kind of in their adult life everyone's kind of keeping exploring all of the things and I was kind of in this head I won't swear but head spin of well who am I what's what who am I now what am I doing feeling just so weak and vulnerable for the first couple of years and felt like my independence was stripped away and I think we all feel that regardless of our age of wow all of these things that I used to do and there is no going back because when you've gone through something so huge, there is no return. And actually, who's to say what you're going into may not be better if you can find a way through that pain and to really feel everything you're going through. Because often we try and suppress that, but we really need to feel it to heal it, right? And so this has taken me time. You're speaking to me in a different place. It's taken time. However, we can heal and we can come to a place. And again, there's a difference between healing and curing. The curing, that's another kind of topic, but healing is really making whole. And how do we make ourselves feel whole? Almost by bringing all of those pieces of us back together. And for me, that actually comes from a place. What is it that makes me feel healed is being on my own team. I'm not in a kind of challenge against myself I don't push myself overly on certain levels and I feel deep gratitude for my body there's this almost kind of celebration of that and as you said it is it is a lifelong thing but I think when it comes to cancer yeah as as time goes on we can really get there but yeah. knowing where you're at as well, and it can take a bit of cocoon time. It can be isolating and it can be lonely because often we need to cocoon to really, you know, that kind of, again, you have it with the menopause, the chrysalis, and then coming into the butterfly. And just knowing that, you know, that beautiful, what is it in Japan, how when an object breaks, they fill it with gold. You may have spoken oh, about yeah. this before. It's lovely. But I'm really into that whole post-traumatic growth thing. So there's more so many people so many of us go through PTSD post-traumatic stress and I definitely did and I think there's a lot to be said of post-traumatic growth of I have a new awareness of my body I have new gratitude for the connections in my life I have new appreciation for the people that supported me whatever it is I see nature differently I appreciate the sea differently you know those things where you go actually because life was threatened at one point or continues to be, I'm so, I'm more present. Even with that background noise or the fear that may be there, we can kind of have a different lens and that can be helpful in that healing process of, even if you're not there now, one day that pain may be, may make sense. And before I ask you a couple more questions about how we can all do 
breath work and how it can be done differently. Mm. When you were 23, did your period stop whilst you were going through treatment? And oh, did yeah. you arrive? Was that a state of menopause? So I my period stopped for a year and a half. Yeah. And there was the conversation of it may come back, it may not come back. And so yeah, so many physical shifts through all of that chemotherapy. And I was fortunate that it did come back. And so now there's this kind of interesting association, whereas before when I was younger and I had my my period and the conversations that were around periods, again, for younger women, we don't really have much awareness of our cycles or what it all means. But now I would like to say it's a monthly celebration and I'm grateful. However, now I'd say that, yeah, occasionally I do have this appreciation of that. Yeah, so I was fortunate that it came back. But yeah, it's a very... It's a very challenging one as well with everything that happens because I did have friends on the ward that I was treated on who, you know, there was talk about getting a sperm donor just to fertilize their eggs and those kind of things for better chance if they weren't in a relationship and huge decisions to be making in your early 20s. And yeah. Yeah, the added layer of um, uncertainty to the already existing uncertainty. So when we first started the call, you talked about breathwork as a one-to-one opportunity, but you also teach it in classes and in groups. I do, yeah. And so we don't need to be in a room together to do breathwork. Like people do it on Instagram, right? Yeah. <laughs> How? Yeah. And breathwork works just as well at home. There's a really lovely thing about feeling that physical presence because it's so rare that some of us have non-sexual touch for example it's so rare that we really feel held and nurtured so doing it in person is a really lovely experience but you can do breath work at home in a safe place where you can relax it works really well on zoom I love that people can just feel that they can unwind in their safe place as well and I also do the group breath work so monthly breath work for cancer sessions so anyone going through cancer or beyond or in recovery can come to a drop-in and and experience that so I'm just trying to um and I put all of those details in the show notes anyway but I'm just trying to imagine what people would do it's now January and they're listening to our show and they might be at home walking or cleaning or <laughs> folding the laundry <laughs> I don't know what, what what are you doing at home whilst you're listening to Sophie and me chat <laughs> um, I'd like to know maybe people can send in a few emails I'd love to know but if anyone is listening to us at home and obviously we're sat here recording this through our computers can we do a short breathwork session does this work for anyone for you and I yeah of course we can let's do it would that be a good way of ending our chat what do you reckon let's do it let's do a few minutes of breath and just paying attention to your breath and maybe doing this if people can if anyone maybe even if you're out on a walk or you're listening to this on the go or in the car maybe pausing this so you can do this a bit later Otherwise, if you're kind of sitting down or in bed or whatever's happening, we can just take a moment. The cue, the music, Danny, I feel like we always need background music. You can, you can, you can sing for us. <laughs> I won't, but maybe we'll edit it in. Um, something else to say is bringing in sound healing and other elements are really supportive in a breathwork session. So I, f- I feel like I'm going to participate. I'd love to. This is a good way for me to say thank you, Sophie, for our chat before we breathe together and for just starting off the new year with all of us to sort of just shine light on all the things that are out there and tapping into 
that healing path. Yeah, thank you. thank you, Danny. It's a pleasure. Always a joy. I'm going to sit back in my chair to give context to anyone at home. Um, I'm sat in my second floor podcasting office. No, it's our second bedroom. <laughs> and I'm going to sit back and relax and enjoy Sophie's guided breathwork. So we're just going to take a moment just to center. And if you feel safe to do so, closing your eyes or finding a fixed point in the room that you're in, if you're in a room. And we want to do this in a quiet space. So if you aren't in one, maybe coming back to this later. So either sitting or you can do it lying down. And if you're sitting, maybe just noticing how you are in the chair and seeing if you can relax your body. Just softening and taking a moment just to check in, noticing the temperature in your body. Maybe there's a part of your body that feels a little bit warmer. Maybe there's a place that feels a little bit cooler and just becoming aware of those sensations. We're just doing a little bit of a grounding exercise before we notice your breath. And maybe noticing any smells in the room you're in. Are there any sounds at a distance or any sounds nearer? And we're just going to do a gentle scan, just imagining that you have this warm sunshine. Hard to imagine in January, but we're going to do it. We've got a warm sunshine coming in at the top of your head. And we're just going to take these clearing rays of sun. What's it like to imagine that warmth just filling up your head and your face? And traveling down to your eyes and just softening all the muscles around your eyes. Taking this warm sun down to your jaw, relaxing, unclenching your jaw. And together we're just going to have a yawn. Ooh. Ooh. And sighing it out. And relaxing your shoulders if you're someone who notices that you breathe with your upper chest. What's it like just to soften your shoulders? Relaxing your chest, your right arm and your left arm. And let's just take that warm sunshine now down through your torso, down to your belly. Taking the sun down to your upper legs. Just noticing your knees. And traveling down to your ankles and your feet. And now journeying just up from the soles of your feet back up to your head, just in gentle awareness. And seeing, can you just bring a little bit more softening? What would it be like just to allow your body to sink deeper into whatever you're sitting on or lying on? And we're just going to start to notice your breath. And maybe just bringing one hand to your lower belly, one hand resting on your upper chest. And this is a really nice way just to notice where do I breathe? Can I take the breath into my belly? Can I take it into my upper chest? Together, we're just going to do a few rounds of breathing in, and then we're going to breathe out longer than we breathe in. And this is a really nice way. We've spoken about coming to a place of calm. If you're someone who struggles to sleep, this breath is a really nice one for that. So we're going to do a four, seven, eight breath, and then we're going to end with one more breathing tool. So we're just going to begin now. We're going to breathe in through your nose and exhale really slowly through your mouth. 
And we're going to breathe out now and then we're going to breathe in for the count of four. So inhaling through your nose and holding that breath for seven, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale through your mouth for eight, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And again, breathing in for four. Holding the breath for eight, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and exhale for eight, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And one more time, breathing in calm on the inhale. Holding that feeling of calm in your body for the count of seven, three, four, five, six, seven and breathing out tension breathing out stress for eight two three four five six seven eight and let's just do one more round breathing in for four breathing in relaxation this time holding that feeling of relaxation in every cell every tissue What do I need to let go of on the exhale now? Breathing out tension, breathing out the fear. Let's have a little bit, keeping your eyes closed, just having a little bit of a shake out of your body. And this really lovely way of shaking, maybe shaking out your wrists, having a wiggle of your spine, your neck and your shoulders. And that's something you can do at any time, that breath, the four, seven, eight breath. It's one that lots of people do. There's box breathing, there's having counting. In the session, we love to do a connected breath. So you're connecting your inhale and your exhale. And we're just going to end now with one that's really nice, just for full relaxation. So just humoring me with the sound, if you're in a place that you can make this sound. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick breath into your belly. On the exhale, we're going to make a ah. So you know that really soothing sh sound. Let's do that together. So quick breath into the belly, in through your nose. Ah. And one more. Noticing the relaxation in your body. And making that noticeable sigh out on the exhale, the ah, can be really good just to almost kind of fake it till we make it with relaxation. And knowing again that exhale is all about how you let go. So whenever you exhale, maybe longer than you inhale, you can always repeat in your mind what you're letting go of. And again, one of the quickest ways just to come back to the present moment when we're feeling that fear, when we're feeling that panic, whatever we're feeling or overwhelm, just take a long, deep breath in and then breathe out longer than you inhale. And imagine you're just breathing in whatever you need and exhaling whatever you don't. And thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for breathing deep. And enjoy your breath.
How lovely was that to be guided into a gentle breathwork session by the amazing and beautiful Sophie. I love listening to her. I could listen to her for hours on end. Such a young person and so much wisdom to share. I truly, truly connect and really love connecting with all of the people that come onto the podcast. It's just such a privilege for me to learn so much from each and every single one of them. The biggest question I think that I am left with, and I don't have the answer for, but I'm left with after coming off the call with Sophie is, how do we make it a habit? How do we make it stick? How can we show up, for example, with a gentle breathwork session every single day for ourselves? And I guess this is what many of us sort of then struggle with come March, April, May, when perhaps new routines we've implemented in our Januarys and Februarys slowly start to dwindle again. But I'm going to write down how this breathwork session made me feel right now on a sticky piece of paper, on a post-it note, and I'm going to put that on the fridge because my word that came straight to mind after coming out of this really short meditation or breathwork was blissful. And if I can remember with a sticky note on my fridge that I can tap into that blissful moment, even if it's just for five, 10 minutes in my day, a couple of times a week even, then that's going to be a good link to get me back to sitting down, feeling my breath. And I know I can remember the four, seven, eight breath. I really like that. That was easy. Inhaling for four, retaining for seven and exhaling for eight. And that in combination with my sticky note on my fridge with my word for this breathwork, blissful, I think might be a really good trick for myself to get myself going and keep going. And maybe I have given myself the answer for longevity here. I'll let you know how it goes come March. <laughs> for all of you, wishing you all the best. And if you all want a little bit more, then in the show notes here, there is a link to Sophie. Check out her breathwork sessions. I think they're amazing. <music>